The amazing thing about the Lord is the Lord knows, in one sense, no age. And uh, as we know from reading the Bible, the Lord gives a burden to young people as well as to old. He lays hold of people late in their lives sometimes, and sometimes at a very young age. He grabs hold of David and makes his whole life about him. And so even though he was a king and a great warrior and a handsome man and all of these things, and eventually very rich, that was not the center nor focus of his life. His focus was, I want everything the Lord wants. The Lord wants a house. We need to get him a house. The Lord wants his throne. The Lord wants his city. Uh, there is a real, a really good young person. Well, now we want to turn to the book of Revelation. And we want to just read a few verses in chapter 1. Because we want to talk about this matter of the testimony of Jesus. And do you remember, last time we talked about the passing of the torch of the testimony. I just want to read a couple of verses, beginning in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So could we just stop right there and define the Apostle John, because we'll be talking about him tonight. Notice what it says right at the end uh, of the... Uh, of verse 1, to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. And then again in verse 9 of chapter 1. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, I just want you to see that in both of these passages, we realize that John bore the testimony of Jesus. And because of that, he was uh, being exiled. He was being persecuted. And when people bear the testimony of Jesus, often they are persecuted. And not just by the world, believe it or not, but usually many times by religious people. Now, let's just take you back yesterday because we talked about this passing of the torch. You know, if this passing of the torch of the testimony was left up to man, we would be in serious trouble. But there is a sovereign God. And sovereign God loves his son Jesus so much that this God says, I will always have on the planet Earth some who hold this torch of the testimony and proclaim Jesus, who he is. And so God has not allowed the torch to fall on the ground through all of the centuries of history. Sometimes the church was in the dark ages and there were not many people who understood or bore the testimony of Jesus, but there were always some. And it's because our God is a sovereign God. And so we talked about the passing of the torch and we said that there's three components in this passing that you'll notice every time it's truly passed. One, you'll find that God has sovereignly raised up 
and prepared a vessel to carry the torch. So we looked at Timothy yesterday, right? Timothy was being prepared by God all through his life. Even when he was a kid being raised by his mother and grandmother, God was preparing him for the day that he would have to take the torch out of, Tim, out of Paul's hand and carry it and pass it on to others. God sovereignly prepared Timothy and others as well. The second component of this passing of the torch is that God always has one who has been faithful to carry the torch to give it to the person who's being prepared. And so you have this second vessel who has been pressing on, passing this torch, and he passes it to the person who's been prepared. The third component is there's a divine and sovereign moment that nobody knows when it is when that torch gets passed. So, so Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, my life is just about over. I have run my race here. Strengthen yourself in the grace of Christ Jesus and take this torch and pass it on. And that was just about the last words we heard from the Apostle Paul, who soon went to glory. Now, when Paul went to glory, that was the sovereign act. And from that moment on, Timothy and others who had held the testimony of Jesus, the churches, the workers, they were carrying the torch from that point on. Paul passed away. But before he did, he passed on the torch. And now Timothy is running with the torch when we looked at him in, uh, in 2 Timothy. All right? Now, today we want to look, we're going to look at two things. Today we're going to look at somebody who passed the torch. Tomorrow we're going to look at somebody who took the torch. And so today, as we're talking about somebody who passed the torch of the testimony, we're talking about the Apostle John. Now, our brother Stephen, he spoke on this the first uh, morning that he spoke. And John, and, and the fact that he bore the testimony of Jesus... And I just want to talk about that today with all of you and try to make it uh, simple so we can understand this fact. John bore the testimony of Jesus. It got him in trouble, but all through his life he was faithful and God honored him and blessed him and used him and showed him many wonderful things. Do you know when you are faithful to the Lord and do what you're commissioned to do, do not think that your life is a, is a life of just hardship and a life of, a, of struggle and persecution. Do you know what happens to somebody who obeys the Lord and serves the Lord? You are blessed more than anybody else in the world. You know, it's not with all of the world's things like money and stuff like that necessarily. But here's what you're blessed by. You get to walk with him and you talk with him. And he tells me I am his own. Now, there's a lot of Christians who don't really walk with Jesus. But if you truly love the Lord, you'll find this will be the most wonderful privilege of your life as you serve him. Now, I want to talk about this matter. What does it mean that John bore the testimony of Jesus? But just before I do that, in a very simple way, we have to understand that Jesus came to this earth. Uh, let's look at John chapter 1, verse 14 in the Gospel of John. And you know it's a very simple verse, but I just want to make it clear to you. 
Jesus came to this earth to bear testimony. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then just go right to verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Now, Jesus came to this earth to bear testimony. And He bore testimony. He's the only person who could do this. Through history, He's the only person who can do this. Jesus bore a double testimony when He was on this earth. And what was that? First of all, Jesus himself, while he walked on earth, bore testimony of God. In other words, when you looked at Jesus, you saw what God was like. In Jesus' life, you could look at him and you could understand God. So John says there in chapter 1, verse 14, We beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the Gospel of John is a wonderful book, but what it declares is this about Jesus. When I looked at Jesus, John said, You know what I saw? I saw God's grace. Now, the Jews loved God. They worshipped God. But they were afraid of God. And you remember when Jesus came on the scene with his disciples and the disciples asked him how to pray. And what he said was a revelation. He says, when you pray, say this, Abba. And they said, what? God is our father? But you see, Jesus, as he walked for three and a half years, showed that God was our father. I bear testimony of my father. I want you to know my Father. I want you to really know what He's like. Forget everything that other religions say that He is. Forget when they say He's mean. Forget when they say He's harsh. Forget when, you, when they say He's way up there and you can't find Him. Forget when you, they say He's a sheep or a tree or a crystal. Forget all that stuff. Look at me and you will see God. So everywhere Jesus went, He healed people. He showed grace. Everywhere Jesus went, they saw the truth because He was full of grace and truth. They saw God. He said to His disciples just before He went to the cross, He says, Have I been with you for so long and you have not seen the Father? Don't you know that the Father's in Me? You see, when Jesus walked on earth, we got the first real clear idea without distortion of what God's really like. Do you want to know what God's like? Then you look at Jesus. Study Him. Look in the Bible at Him. Because you will see not just Jesus, but you will see God. It's a wonderful revelation of who God is, just looking at Jesus. So that's one thing that we see. But He bore a double testimony. I wonder if you know what else He bore testimony to. Anybody want to try to take a guess? We had one person answer one of my questions yesterday, and they got it right. So you're, you're batting 100 right now. Anybody want to take a shot? 
When Jesus walked upon the earth, he bore the testimony of God. That is who God is. When Jesus walked upon the earth, he bore the testimony of of man. Because Jesus was not only God, but Jesus was man. And wherever He walked, you could look and see the way a man was created to be. Indeed, He was the new... Uh, he was an Adam. He was the last Adam. He was the way man was meant to be. He was as smart as man was supposed to be. He's as graceful as man is supposed to be. He's as truthful as man is supposed to be. He's as loving as man is supposed to be. You know what happened when Jesus showed up and, and there was like a really sinner in, in, right there and Jesus came in to, among sinners? You know what happened to those sinners? They immediately said, you know what? I shouldn't be living this way. Lying, living in darkness, knowing only sickness and death. That's the way I should be. Everywhere Jesus walked, you understood what a man was like. He bore testimony. This is man. Look at the noble man. Look at the, the calling of man. Look at the authority of man. Look at the, the, the love of man. This is a man. And as Jesus walked, he bore that testimony. Wow. Everywhere you look in the... Because you can't just say he bore testimony of God. He also bore testimony of man. Everywhere he walked, he bore this wonderful testimony. Oh, here was a man who walked on earth. And yet, what was his highest desire? To fulfill the purpose of God in his life. Here is a man who walked on the earth, but what was his destiny? To become a son, a glorified son. What a high calling. Here is a man who walked upon the earth. And yet, how did he walk? He didn't walk by his own strength. But he was a vessel in whom God could dwell. And God did His works through him. God spoke through him. God loved through him. Jesus was a vessel holding the life of God. And you know something? you know what man was created to be? When Adam was created in the garden, he was meant to take from the tree of life, to eat the Lord Jesus, as it were, to grow by the life of God. Man is meant to be a dwelling place of God. What a wonderful testimony that is. So you see, when, when, uh, John, when Jesus walked upon the earth, you could see man and you could see God. Okay, now I had to say that as background because now we come to the fact of how John bore the testimony of Jesus. Okay? John, of course, was his apostle, one of his apostles. John was the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And John lived a long time. Most of the other apostles, you know, they died uh, and were martyred early on or various different points in the history. But we come to the end of the first century... And here's John, and he's still alive. And John bore testimony of Jesus, as it says in the book of Revelation. Now, what does that mean? Okay. The first thing, the first thing it means is this. Jesus, John bore the truthful testimony 
about Jesus. And he did that primarily in the Gospel of John. Let me show you a couple of verses. If you go to the Gospel of John and turn to chapter 21, uh, the very last chapter, 21, look what it says. At the end of this testimony, probably you haven't noticed this, but if you will go back and read the Gospel of John, if you're a student and want to study the Word of God, if you'll go back and read the Gospel of John and underline every time you see the word testimony, testified, or witnessed, which is all uh, similar uh, in Greek, it's almost the same word, witness, testify, testimony, 45 times in the Gospel of John. It's a testimony about who Jesus is. So the first thing the testimony of God is, the testimony of Jesus is, is it's a truthful testimony about Jesus. Look what it says in chapter 21, 24. It's referring to John. This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the whole world itself would not contain the books that were written. So John bore testimony about who Jesus is and what he did. That's why we have the Gospel of John. But now I want to ask you a question. Now this is a tricky question. This is a thinking question. What is the difference about sharing the gospel of Jesus, that is, that he came into the world, that he loved, that he died on the cross, he rose again, you know, the gospel. What's the difference between sharing the gospel of Jesus and bearing the testimony of Jesus? There is a difference. As a, as a witness, we are to bear the testimony about Jesus as we share the gospel. You share the facts of Jesus, of his love, of his coming, and all of these things. You know, just like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They show Jesus walking and doing miracles and teaching and then dying on the cross and rising again. This is a testimony about Jesus that's gospel. But John is bearing the testimony of Jesus in a little deeper way as he talks about Jesus. Why? Because his testimony comes out of seeing a revelation of who Jesus really was. It's more than just the facts. So as an example, in the Gospel of John, we not only see the miracles that Jesus did, but isn't it interesting, behind almost every miracle, here's what John says. Behind this miracle of the of the feeding of the multitude, there is this revelation. I am the bread come down from heaven. You see, behind the miracle, some people saw the miracle and said, oh, isn't this wonderful? Jesus made us a lot of bread. Jesus, Jesus, will you please make us whole wheat? See, that's the way most people are. But John, he beheld Jesus until he said, ah, I see. He is the I am. How many times did Jesus say he is the I am? Or how many I am's do we have in the Gospel of John? How many people say five? Hands? 
How many people say 10? How many people say 7? Ah, there we go. 7. Hey, that happens to be right. It's the only one anybody raised hands on. It must be right. Yeah, he spoke about, I am the bread. I am the light. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, truth, and life. I am the true vine. That's right. And now you see, so now we see the gospel. It's still about Jesus and his saving life. But there's something more there. Because what John says is, I saw who Jesus really was. He is the I am. Which of course means he is God. Come down in the flesh. And why is it that John saw that? Because he laid hold of the gospel facts. He laid hold of his life with Jesus. And he thought about it and prayed about it. And God revealed these things. Of course, Jesus said, I am the bread. But we don't find that in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Nothing wrong with those gospels. But I'm just saying, John is bearing testimony. He has seen something. Have you ever seen something about Jesus? Now, I know for most of you, he's your Savior. And I think for most of you, you know that Jesus loves you. But were you, did you ever read the Bible? And one day while you were reading the Bible, something came alive to you about Jesus? And you saw that He was your Father? That He was your friend? Or that He was an I Am, a great God? You know, this, this is what John shared as his testimony regarding Jesus. So over 45 times it talks about this bearing a testimony and this witness. And this is the first meaning of to bear the testimony of Jesus. If you and I are going to bear the testimony of Jesus, we need to testify about the, who Jesus is and what He did. And especially who He is and what He did and what He means to us by revelation. Now, you, you can share the gospel with a friend. You know, like you can say, okay, I want to talk to you about Jesus. You can say, now, you know, you're a sinner, but Jesus died for you, and he rose again. And somebody hears the words, but it's just like the gospel words. But what if you say, you know, this Jesus, I took him into my life. I asked him to be my Savior. And you know what he did for me? And you share some personal testimony of the way Jesus revealed himself in your life. Now the person listens. Because it's not just words about Jesus, but it's words about Jesus that you personally experienced. Now you're bearing the testimony about Jesus in a living way. So when we say we want to be vessels who bear the testimony, it means that we need to know who Jesus is and what he did. We need to be able to tell other people. In order to bear the testimony, we need to tell people who he is, what he's done, and especially what he's done in you, for you. This is wonderful. But, but there's more. When it says John bore the testimony of Jesus, it means more than just that he wrote the gospel 
and he uh, uh, and he revealed who Jesus was and what he did by writing the gospel. There's even more. There's a whole second stage, and you know what that second stage is? We find it in the epistles. So the first testimony is about. Remember that about. The second aspect of bearing the testimony is this. John bore the testimony of the life of Jesus in him. That is to say, the life of Jesus abode in John. Now, it's one thing to talk about Jesus and say, oh yes, he's the Savior of the world. It's another thing when people can see Jesus in you, in John, because Jesus is there. This little epistle, 1 John, you know, just five chapters long. It's not a very long letter. And yet 15 times the word abide is used in 1 John. Now, did you know that? You remember in John 15 how, how John, uh, Jesus spoke to John and the other disciples and said, Now I am the true vine. My father is the husband and now you abide in me and let me abide in you. You remember that whole passage on the vine. Now, in 1 John, John starts to talk about our Christian life. And he says, you know, our Christian life needs to be abiding in Jesus. And his life living out in you. There's so many passages that talk about this abiding life. But let's look at a couple. Turn to 1 John. So we see immediately that the testimony is going deeper now. In 1 John... We'll look at some passages uh, beginning in chapter 2. And verse 6. And then we'll just look at a couple of passages. You'll, you'll see what I mean. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Now, you see, if we're going to bear the testimony of Jesus, now we need to walk like Jesus walked. And we can only do that by walking by the life of Jesus within us. If we say we abide in Him, we should be walking like Jesus walked. So, it's not enough just to talk about Jesus and to live a life like the world. If we talk about Jesus and who He is, we should also be walking the walk of Jesus in our life. Now, I know that's quite a challenge to do. But the fact of the matter is you can do it. How? Because Jesus lives in you. Did, did you ever know that? I mean, I know you know it as a Bible fact. But did you ever realize that Jesus lives in you? He's a wonderful Savior, but He's also a wonderful liver. You have two livers. The liver back here. And the Jesus who lives in you. Now, do you let him live in you? Let's look at some other verses. Chapter 2, verse 14. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who's been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men. Okay, how many young men do we have here? I see. Ah, yeah, there you go. Immediately they raised their hand. Yes. Most of them are over the hill, but uh, they're raising their hand. Okay. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. There's something abiding in the young person's life that makes them able to overcome the enemy. Notice chapter 2, verse 24. 
As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will abide in the Son and in the Father. You see, this Word is living and it abides in you. And it has an anointing and it teaches you the truth from that which is false. There's a life inside of you. Do you bear testimony to that? I mean, it's not like you go around saying, Hi, look at me. Jesus lives in me. I'm the greatest in the world because Jesus lives in me. No, no, no. But you know what? As a Christian, if you live a loving life, if you care for people, you share the gospel with them, even as a student in high school, if you pray for people who need help and you're not afraid to testify of Jesus, you know, you don't have to announce it, but people see something that's different in you. And it's because this Jesus abides in you. Well, let's just look in chapter 5 because there's a wonderful passage there beginning in verse 9 that talks about this abiding relationship. And the fact, here's the fact. The testimony abides in you. Just like in John. John not only knew about Jesus, but he had Jesus living in him. Oh, what a testimony that was in his life. Now notice chapter 5, verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that He has testified concerning His Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. So the testimony isn't just outward what you say about Jesus. The testimony is something in you. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He that does not have the son of God does not have the life. What's the difference between you and the rest of the world? You may have some friends and they're smarter than you. You may have some friends and they're handsomer than you or prettier than you. Uh, but there's a great difference. And here it is. The difference between the world and you is this. You have Jesus in you and that is life. And they don't have that life. He who has the Son of God has the life. Something's bubbling. Is there something bubbling in you? Eh, maybe it was that hot dog at lunch, huh? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the bubbling in your stomach. Uh, is there something bubbling in you? Can people look at you and they say, you know, something is, something is alive there. They have a hope. They have a joy. They have a peace. They have a love. There's something bubbling in there. It's Jesus' life. And you have that life. The testimony is in every believer. Oh, how wonderful it is. When this testimony becomes manifest. What does that mean? That means when the testimony isn't just hiding in you, when other people can see it, then it's manifest. Oh, this is wonderful. Is the testimony of Jesus that abides in you, is it manifest in you? Oh, may you ask the Lord to fill you with His Holy Spirit and to allow His life to control your life and to lead your life and to fill your life. You know, I know it sounds very, very, very hard. But really, while we're walking on this earth, brothers and sisters, I give you the calling of your life. Here is your calling. No kidding around. 
You're to walk like Jesus. You're to love like Jesus. You're to know the truth like Jesus. You're to testify of God like Jesus. I know it's a very, very high calling, but that's exactly why we're here on this earth. We're to be Jesus here on this earth. So the testimony is when you testify about Him. The testimony is when there's a manifest testimony within. The first part about, the second part within. Now we come to the third part. There's still another part. It's not just about, it's not just within. Here's the third one. I'm having a hard time with what preposition to use because what I want to say is the testimony of Jesus is when Jesus is among His church, His people. Now we see how important the testimony of Jesus is in the church. It's true that John bore the testimony of Jesus in his personal life. But John and the other brothers who were faithful held the testimony of Jesus. They held it together. It's like something you have to hold together. Jesus is among us. Now, just like in your life, Jesus needs to abide in your life so that when people look at you, they see Jesus in the same way. When the church gets together or gathers for worship or for ministry or for whatever it is, people should be able to see Jesus in the church, upon the church. And this is the thing that the book of Revelation is talking about and that our brothers are primarily talking about. And here it is. The church is not in the right position unless Jesus is abiding among the church. Unless Jesus is upon the church. Now, the, only, the best illustration I know is from the Old Testament. And here it is. The tabernacle was just a tent. But because the tabernacle was God's tabernacle and the ark was inside the tabernacle, the tabernacle had something special about it. And what was that that was special? What made the tabernacle special? It had a cloud over it by day and a light over it by night. The glory of God was over the tabernacle. And that made the tabernacle special. So even when the tabernacle, even when the children of Israel were walking through the wilderness, when, the, when, the, uh, when Balaam looked out at the children of Israel walking through the wilderness, he saw the glory of God with them and the outside nations were afraid to attack. Why were they afraid to attack? Because Israelites were so many people? No, they weren't the biggest tribe. They were afraid to attack because they could see that light, that fire burning at night and that cloud following them along like this, leading them during the day. This is what made the people of God special. And so when the people of God sinned, God said to Moses up on the mountain, okay, you take the children of Israel into the promised land. I'm not going with you, but I'll send my angel. You know what Moses said? No, 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 no. 
unless your presence goes with us, I don't want to go. Because it's your presence that makes us special. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I know this may sound now a little bit too difficult for you to understand. But I just want to present to you an ideal, if I could. What would it be like if whenever you gathered together, not only were you gathered there, but you could sense the presence of Jesus gathered there? What if whenever you worshipped, you not only had a wonderful time of worship, but as you were lost in worship, you could hear the Son, the glorified Son, joining in the assembly of worship? What if His presence was very precious? And what if you said, I can't wait to go to the meeting this Sunday because I know that Jesus is upon us and Jesus is among us and Jesus is over us. He is the glory of the church. The church is wonderful when His glory is there. The church is in trouble when His glory is not there. And that's what John came to do at the end of his life. Now we just come to the point where John is now going to pass the torch. Here he is, a, a very uh, elder brother. He's on the island of Patmos. He has served the church and ministered to the church and spoken the truth of the testimony of Jesus to the church. And now there he is out there uh, on the Isle of Patmos. And what is he going to do? How is he going to pass the torch? Maybe he will never see his brothers and sisters again in the church of Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and the other ones. How will he ever be able to pass the torch? What if he dies out there on the island? How, how can the testimony ever go forward? And so John was thinking about this. Because after a whole life and over 90 years old, he had given so much. And you know what he saw? He looked around in Asia Minor and he could see the churches. But he was looking for that glory over the church. But in some of the churches it was missing. The glory was missing. So they were meeting, but it was like a tabernacle without the fire. Something's missing. The Lord is not among them. The testimony needs to be recovered. The full testimony of who Jesus is needs to be there so Jesus can be there, testifying, protecting, leading His people. And now John is on Isle of Patmos. What's he going to do? He's got a torch and it's going out. He's getting old. How's he going to pass it on? And then, as we mentioned before, God in His sovereign moment showed John how he was going to pass on the torch. And that sovereign moment was back there in Revelation. So let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. You all know this picture and everything. But what happened there beginning in chapter 1 verse 9 is that John was praying. John was holding and interceding for the churches. John was burdened. John was seeking the Lord and worshiping. And on the Lord's day, when he was in the Spirit, it's as if the heavens opened up. Indeed, they did. And God sovereignly showed him and explained to him how the testimony would be passed on. 
Number one, he saw glorious Jesus, a glorious vision of Jesus, almighty Alpha and the Omega, and he's standing in the midst of the church. Now, who is the best who is the best person we can get to recover the testimony of Jesus to the church? Let's see. The Apostle John? Oh, he's mighty good. How about the Apostle Paul? Let's bring him back from the grave. Maybe he can help the church out, huh? No, 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 no. Even John, the best he could do, he did with all of his heart. But guess what? He saw a revelation. And here's the first thing he saw. Jesus will recover his testimony. He is standing in the midst of the churches working right now. Even if you can't see it, he is there and he's working. Now, if Jesus is there, it's a promise that the testimony will be recovered. Nobody can minister like Jesus. The second thing he saw was, oh, look what Jesus is doing. He's ministering to the seven churches. And wow, look what the church looks like. It's gold. It's a golden lampstand. I thought the, the church looked like some kind of something made out of pipe cleaners. Some kind of old twisted up thing, you know, some kind of erector set thing, some kind of a Lego block city that was all messed up. No, no, you know what the church looks like? It looks like gold. Because Jesus is building a church of gold. And He will have His church of gold. Because He is building it. He promised, I will build my church. And when you look at the church, now, what church do you look at most often? It's where you go to a meeting, right? Maybe you go to a Seattle Christian Assembly. Maybe you go to San Francisco House of God. Now, what do you see? A bunch of Legos. But just remember this. What Jesus sees is gold. And he is building gold into his people. Only he can do this. He is perfecting the church, the bride, making her ready. Jesus alone is able to do this. He's trimming the lamps in order that they can burn bright. He's standing in the midst of it. You would think Jesus would go far, far away from his church and say, Wow, what a lousy Lego. I'm just going to go start something else. But no, in every city, Jesus has a golden lampstand. And He's examining it. He's not going to let us get away with wood, hay, and stubble. We are supposed to be a golden church. You and I. What do you think you are? Wood, hay, stubble? Wrong. You are gold. And Jesus will refine you and mold you and, you know, they, they actually made those, those lampstands for the tabernacle. It was amazing. They made the lampstand. You know how they took? They took one big gold ing ingot. You know what an ingot is? It's one of those big blocks of gold like this. And a guy took a little ball-peen hammer and he started going... Okay, two weeks later. But now he's flattened it all out. And... And now, he's, now you see some kind of fingers in this uh, gold thing. And do you know what? The guy hammers the whole thing out till that 
gold lampstand is made perfect out of one piece of gold. And that's what Jesus is doing right now in your life. You know what He's doing in your life and my life? He's taking out the wood, the hay, and the stubble. And He's replacing with gold. What a wonderful thing the Lord is doing. Plus, John also saw that Jesus had seven angels in His hands, which are the seven messengers for the church, which means that Jesus would pass on that torch of the testimony to other men who could also preach and recover the testimony of Jesus. Even if John were to die on the Isle of Patmos, it's okay. You know why? Because Jesus has in His hands those servants of God who will uh, preach and recover uh, the testimony of Jesus for the church. And so there was one uh, angel for each of the seven churches that we saw there in the book of Revelation. But what I want you to see is our Lord Jesus right now is perfecting His church. And He wants permission from you to allow Him to work in your life and mine. He not only wants to work individually, you over there, me over here, but also when we get together, He works on us. He forges out this lampstand that He is producing right now. Listen, so many of you young people, I think, can I say this? I, I think that you are gold in a lot of ways because you love the Lord. Some of you are even so crazy for the Lord, you're even taking notes. I think this is beautiful. I think it's a good start. I think if you keep allowing the Lord to work in your life, He will refine you as gold and make you a real testimony that shines. And then when the church gets together, you'll see Jesus among us and Jesus upon us like the fire. And like the cloud. And so there's John, an old man. How is he going to pass on the torch of the testimony? Let's go back to the very beginning of the book of Revelation and you'll see. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show to his bondservants, the things which would soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written, for the time is near. And here's what God gave to John. John, I want you to pass on the testimony, and here's how I want you to do it. I want you to write down whatever I reveal to you and pass it on to your fellow bondservants. And they'll take that message. And God will recover His church through that message. You know, I mean, it's very unique. Only John ever could do this. But John passed on to us, as it were, the ultimate torch because it still burns to this day. When you open the book of Revelation, you see seven marvelous visions of the glorified Jesus. And you realize something right away. He is on the throne. He is in control. He will have His bride. Hallelujah. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. Now, down through the centuries, John didn't just pass this, uh, uh, this uh, torch off to uh, uh, Titus or to Timothy or to Clement or to somebody in his day. He's passed on the torch of the testament to all of us who love the Lord 
As we see this vision that John saw, it's part of the work that God uses to recover our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord wants you to bear the testimony of Jesus. Now that means to bear the testimony about Jesus, to bear the testimony of Jesus within you, and to bear the testimony of Jesus among you. May the Lord help us. Even when you get together as a young people's group, it can be a most unusual group if you'll allow the Lord Jesus to lead you. When you get together for your times of fellowship or whatever it is that you feel led to do, let the Lord Jesus lead you and you'll see something wonderful. The Lord Jesus among His people. How the Lord loves to dwell among His people. Not only inside me, inside you, but among us together. When two or three gather, He loves to come into the midst and be there with us, helping us, enlightening us, leading us. This is the testimony of Jesus. Now, I'm sorry, I hope that wasn't too complicated for you, but I just want us to understand, because our brothers are talking about this matter, and especially they're talking about it in relation to the church. It's... It's sometimes hard to know the spiritual condition of the church. You know, sometimes when a church is going through hard times, the testimony of the Lord is really there. And sometimes when a church is going through what we say good times, there's no testimony. Only the Lord knows. And that's why we have to entrust this whole work to the Lord Jesus Himself. But may the Lord recover His testimony. Wherever you meet Wherever you get together with other Christians, the Lord wants to be among you. The Lord wants to reveal Himself. This is the testimony of Jesus. Amen? Okay, you can wake up. Let's have a prayer, and then you can go. Lord, I'm so thankful for the life of the Apostle John. He loved you all of his life. He served you as faithfully as he could. And by the grace of God, you gave him this wonderful privilege of being able to pass on the torch of the testimony through the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you give us a new respect for this torch that has been lit, that we might see revealed before us the glory of Jesus. And as a result of your dealing with us, we might repent and your presence be among us. Thank you for all of your dear children who are here today those who love you like David, Lord, I pray that you make their lives a testimony of Jesus, inside and out, for your coming soon. Oh, that we could be lights in this world. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.